Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Debbie Lichter. As the founder of Freedom Embodied Academy, Debbie Lichter has helped women worldwide for over a decade get free from food addiction and obsession so they can stop holding back and have the confidence to authentically shine their light. As a food addiction and embodiment expert who worked for Cosmopolitan Magazine internationally, Debbie navigated her own path to freedom from food and drug addiction, codependency, severe anxiety, and self-doubt out and today combines 20 years of experience in the health and fitness industry with her signature congruence code system to help women get free and stay free from all addictions, feel lighter, speak up confidently, and be comfortable in their own skin. If you're struggling with your relationship with food, you're going to love this episode. Food issues are so common for so many reasons and are also common after an experience with betrayal. When we're misusing food, we're betraying our own inner guidance. So to help us unpack that, I'm having a conversation with my friend, Debbie Lichter. Here we go. Okay, everybody, we have my friend Debbie Lichter with us today. And, you know, of course, the show is from Betrayal to Breakthrough. We're talking about a different type of betrayal today. We're talking about betrayal of your own, our own inner guidance. And when we feel betrayed by our own inner guidance, things can really go sideways. So here as one of my friends and experts on how to get it back on track is Debbie Lichter. Welcome, Debbie. Oh, it's so good to be here with you, Deb. I love it. Yeah, We're going to have a great conversation. I can tell. Let's just even talk about what is inner guidance. Let's just start there. Oh my gosh, fantastic question. Well, so I believe that inner guidance is, um, it's actually comprised of three parts. So you've got your gut instinct, you've got your sixth sense intuition, and then divine inspiration. So you've got instinct, intuition, and inspiration. And, and I feel like it forms this inner trifecta of trust where we can be informed in each moment by, you know, what our body's telling us, but why, you know, just by what that sense, you know, that kind of that sixth sense that you just kind of have, or just really hearing some, you know, some inspired guidance coming through. And what I find is that, you know, most of the women who I tend to work with, because I work with women who struggle with their relationship with food, with food addiction and food obsession and this kind of thing. And I would say 100% of the time, actually, there is some kind of, um, you know, some kind of inner doubt and lack of self-trust that's going on. And, you know, and what's so interesting is that what happens when we're not, when we're not living by that inner guidance, when we're not trusting ourselves, is that we do two things. We do two things that are really, really, um, you know, hurtful to us in the long term. The one thing that we do is we become dependent on the opinions of others or on the opinions of, you know, of, of society or cultural norms or whatever. And as it relates to one's relationship with food, at least, you know, this is like you go on, you go online and you're looking up the diets, you read the books and you're getting the diet and you're listening to all the different, you know, uh, all the information, the podcasts and everything on what should I eat and what can I have and what can't I have. And it's like, someone else is dictating to you what you need to put in your own body. But we do this in, in so many other ways as well, because, you know, if you're walking around feeling this lack of, of 
confidence, this inner doubt. I can't trust my own choices is what I hear from a lot of women, you know, as it relates to food, as it relates to partners, as it relates to people, as it relates to life, can't trust my own choices. And so then we're looking for the outside world of that validation of, can you affirm my choices? And that even sometimes, um, you know, extends into looking for validation for our own sense of worth and value and identity. And so now you have this, this experience where it's, it's you know, you're, you're essentially hemorrhaging power into the outside world because your locus of, you know, of, of value and worth and power is outside of you in, you know, in external influences, in other people's opinions. And it keeps us really off center. It keeps us off balance internally. You know, as you were saying that, the first thing that came to mind was when I was a new mom. I was mm -hmm. a new mom and I assumed anyone was a, knew better than me. I didn't know this territory. I had never been in this role. This is the most foreign experience ever. Everyone must know better. And, and you're, you know, and, and as you're explaining it, I remember feeling that way where I just felt like it, I had no indication within where I wasn't tapped into it, that I knew what was best and it just threw it out to everybody else. You must know better you know, and, and I see that way. I could see it how I was back then. And you can really see it playing out in so many areas. And you're right. And this is, this is even why when people just even come to, to the PBT Institute for help and they assume we know better, we only know better until you get back on your feet. That's it. And I, and I see this so often where we just feel like that doctor, that coach, that guru, that whoever must know better than us. And we turn down our intuition and we turn down that that internal compass that's letting us know we're on or or off track it's a it's a it's a great way it's a great way to see it and so so now imagine because i always try to get into the minds of my listeners and viewers they're like wow that's the way i've been living completely and mm -hmm. so if i see something if i read something if someone looks good i assume they must know better let me just do what they're doing mm -hmm. what do we do with that yeah yeah, well, um, I want to answer that. And I want to speak about also the other thing that happens when we're walking around with the sense of inner doubt, because it kind of is all going to come, it's all going to come back to answering your question with that. Because the one thing that we do is we become dependent on these external factors. I call it being caught up in the external feedback loop. The other thing that we do, because when you're caught up in the external feedback loop, it feels really off balance and you're not in your center and it can just perpetuate that feeling of self-doubt is that then we start to try to get things under control. Mm. And because again, if my sense of worth and value and identity is now caught up with your feedback, your validation, your impression of me, then I need to work double time to make sure that I'm coming across a certain way. I wanna make sure that you like me. I wanna make sure that I'm presenting myself in the world in the way that I want. And so we can then just go in a completely opposite direction of really trying to control, trying to control ourselves, trying to control our food, trying to control our lives, trying to control situations and people and circumstances and all this kind of stuff. Because if I can control how things go in the outside world, then I can ensure that I'm gonna be okay on the inside. 
And so we have both of these, both of these situations happening. So again, I'm also always tuned into, all right, so someone's listening to this, they're like, oh gosh, I think I've got that one too. So what do I do? What do I do? And, you know, and this is really, it's, it's about, first of all, recognizing, I, I recognize that I'm in the external feedback loop. I recognize that I have this control pattern. Um, and, and getting, getting something really, really important because I think that, you know, oftentimes I speak with women and they feel very out of control Mm -hmm. and maybe they're feeling out of control with their relationship with food or just feeling out of control, you know, in their lives, you know, that it feels like there's all these external forces that are at play that, um, you know, that they have no control over. And so the thinking is, well, then let me try to get control because the opposite of out of control is control. Mm -hmm. But here's the interesting thing, Debbie, and I think you'll really appreciate this because of the work that you do is that the opposite of control is not out of control. The opposite of control is trust. Mm. Yeah. And, and so, you know, to kind of come full circle to answering your question, it's like to, to be able to unhook from the external feedback loop and learn how to regain access to our inner guidance system. Because for most of us, we have been disconnected or disconnected ourselves from that inner voice and we haven't trusted it and maybe you know over the years we've made promises to ourselves that we haven't kept i know that happens all the time when i speak with women around their relationship with food well i swore off the sugar and then i went back to it so i can't trust myself or Mm -hmm. you know i made this decision in partnership it didn't work out and now i can't trust my choices and so, you know, we, we, we betray our own inner guidance because we, we feel like it's let us down. And so it's really about learning, okay, how, first of all, am I, am I ready? Am I willing to, am I willing to start to, you know, unravel from this, from, from these, you know, these patterns of control and, 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 you know, being dependent on the external world. And am I willing to start to get to know what's actually going on inside of here. And that's the first step. And then, you know, and then, and then, I mean, I can share more about kind of like what a next step might be, but. You know, and I just want to stop you with right there, because first of all, willingness is my absolute favorite word, because I see that as the biggest game changer for either keeping us stuck or allowing us to move forward. It has so much to do with our willingness. Like I'll, I'll never forget people coming into when I had an office, uh, home, uh, we, well, we had the PBT Institute and in home office, and there was a woman who came in, arms folded. And I want to heal. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You have to give all that up. No, you don't. But but it's just so funny as you were explaining about the opposite of, and that's so beautiful, the opposite of out of control is trust. And But I remember going back to the time of being a new mom, feeling completely out of control. And so I became the ultimate control freak because I was trying so desperately. And I remember feeling that. And there was even this one instance. And um, now here I was, my husband, we brought home my, my daughter and then he went to work. My mom wasn't around because my, my father was in the hospital. My mother-in-law wasn't around because she thought my mom was going to be around. And here I was. And I was like looking at my daughter, like, I don't know the first thing. How did they even let me leave the hospital? <laughs> right? And, and I was absolutely searching for control. And I'll never forget just even I, I, I nursed and it didn't work for me. And so it was the bottles and they weren't, I was trying to organize, like, let me just get them all ready for the day. And they weren't lining up 
in the refrigerator. And if I tell you, I lost it. I was like, oh, yeah. you, like it, it was something so simple. And here I was, I guess, in my world at the time, trying to have that sense of control. So I, you know, it, I absolutely saw completely out of control. I don't know this role. Let me try to regain control however I can. Absolutely. And until the trust settled in. Absolutely. And I, and, and I relate to that with my relationship with food. So, you know, I was this health and fitness expert who looked like I had it together, who looked like I had all, I had all the knowledge in my head and I could not stop obsessing about food and then binging and then, and then, and then I'd be highly, highly restrictive and counting every single calorie. And I remember keeping this book, this journal of writing down every single minute of exercise that I did. And someone had told me that the first 20 minutes of, of a workout doesn't count because you're trying to get to a, va I don't know, whatever. And so I would, I would work out for 20 minutes, but that didn't count. Then I would start the timer and work out for an hour, you know, and then it was every single calorie and the guilt that I would feel if I went over, you know, the guilt that I would feel if I wasn't at the ideal thing. And it was just, it was all consuming. And, and I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, and that's where food gets really tricky because here we, we need food. It's not like we can just get rid of it, but when we're not using it appropriately, not using it to, to nourish, when we're using it to punish, it just becomes a whole other thing. So think about it. If we're stressed, if we're anxious, then we reach for food to calm down and then we berate ourselves and we get all angry at what we just did. Well, isn't that the perfect setup for another binge? So how do we how do we extract ourselves from that way of managing the chaos yeah wow such a great question you know this is this is actually so important because i i come across so many smart men and women who are struggling with their relationship with food who you know are caught in this you know this this binging and obsessing cycle and guilt and shame and all this stuff and they're making the same mistake that I was, frankly, you know, that that most people are making, most smart people are making. And that is this being fixated on trying to solve your food issue by focusing on food, <laughs> by trying to get the right diet, by trying to, you know, control your portions, by trying to moderate, by trying to cut out the sugar. And I'm not saying that any of those strategies are horrible strategies. What I'm saying is that they are insufficient strategies. And, and, you know, what I'll liken it to Debbie is, is, you know, for people who are, you know, ha have dealt with betrayal, it's the, the first, the first layer, maybe when people come into your world, they're focused on what that person did. They're fo focused mm -hmm. on the outside, right? This is the situation. This is what's showing up in, in, in my life right now. And this is what's happening on the outside. And it's the same thing with food. People will show up and they're like, well, this is how, what I need to eat. This is what's happening. And what I say is as long as you're focused on the food, it's, it's, it's a surface strategy. It's not actually addressing what's driving you to food in the first place mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and and the pathway of freedom from food addiction food obsession binging you know whatever you, the pathway is to be able to um, address what's driving you to the food in the first place getting free of that and then the whole problem goes away 
I, I love that you're bringing this up because I see it so often where people think, well, if I change my behavior, I'll get a different result. And they wonder why that's short-lived. And it's because, yes, here's the behavior, here's the result, right? But what drives the behavior? It's the belief. Totally. Right? So isn't that where we need to begin? Absolutely. I, ha I, have, I, I have this little analogy I share with my, my clients. I say, okay, so like the actions, the behaviors are like the leaves of the tree. And what's driving those are your attitudes. Those are the branches of the tree. What's driving those branches are the limiting beliefs and the delusions that are driving that. And what's at the root is the fear. And really, truly, until you're getting free of the fears and the delusions and things, you're, you're just trimming the hedges, really, is what's happening, you know, when you're trying to solve things at the, at the behavioral level. And I remember it was, it was T. Harvecker, and I, it was years ago. And I remember him saying, if you what is it, change the root to get a different fruit. Because, oh. And he gave this analogy, and I loved it. It was, imagine you have, um, you have a, a lemon tree, right? And here's this lemon tree, but you want apples. So you take the lemons off the lemon tree and you take a bushel of apples and you take them onto the tree. And you're like, oh, look, I have an apple tree now. And then the next season, you're like, oh, I have a lemon tree again. It's like, well, of course you do. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. And that's what I think we do, right? We just try to take off the lemons and try to put on the apples. But unless you grow an apple tree, the only thing you're going to get are lemons. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. You know, absolutely. so. Uh, it sounds like the, the work you're talking about is planting the apple tree, planting, getting to those those beliefs, because that's what's driving all of it. And it sounds like the way we're using food is just a way to to just get us either, you know, let us know we're on course or off course. So what does it feel like? What would it feel like for someone so they can recognize, oh, well, we're really off course. And what would it feel like when they're on course? Mm, you mean as it relates to someone's relationship with food or that just so they know they're they're listening their to their intuition they're uh they're just they're on track with yeah. with what's in their best interest with what they're being guided and led to do versus they're completely off track and so they may be using food because they're not feeling yeah well that's fantastic. I love that question. So, you know, I'll just speak into how, how it is for me today, really, where I, um, I, first of all, I don't think about food unless I am actually hungry. That's just, and that, Debbie, that was not something that I, I was constantly eating when I wasn't hungry and wasn't stopping eating when I was full. I mean, I did like the, the, the concept of being full and then satiating and losing interest in food was completely foreign to me. Like I didn't understand, I literally didn't understand it. And so just being able to, you know, not think about food. And then when I feel its tummy growl or I feel myself a little bit hungry to be like, oh, okay. And then to feel what actually, what, 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 what do I feel like eating right now? And, and for me, it's less about, does it have sugar or does it this or that? It's more about, do I feel like something light or something heavy? Do I feel like something, you know, that's going to sustain me for the next number of hours? Maybe it's got some, some, some healthy fats in it right now. Or does that just, is it really hot right now? Do I feel like something that's kind of cooling? It's going to be cooling to my mm -hmm. system that maybe has these qualities. And so, and so it's, it, there's a whole sort of 
inner dialogue and maybe that inner dialogue isn't so conscious. It just all sort of happens in, in a moment. But those are some of the some of the things that go on for me personally, where there's there's this um, sort of natural um, dialogue that I'm having with my body and my own inner sense of what what feels good for me. And you know uh, what, though? But it sounds very loving. It sounds like self-love and self-care. Hey, what would you like? What fe- what would feel good? What do you need right now? Totally, totally. So, and, and I just want to say this too, is that kind of like taping the apples on the, on the lemon tree, my experience is, is that we can't slap this, this way of being with food on ourselves. Like, it's like reading a book and saying, oh, that's how I'm supposed to be. And then trying to do that way of being without it authentically coming through you. If there's stuff that's still weighing on you, that's having you feel scared, you know, because that's for me, food was a lot. It was it was about guilt and it was about a lot of fear. I was afraid of doing it wrong. I was afraid of, you know, just blowing up and like, you know, getting really, really heavy and, and feeling really uncomfortable in my skin. I was constantly uncomfortable in my skin, by the way, no matter what I, what I weighed. And then there was this constant feeling of guilt, you know, and, and this and this fear of um, am I going to am I going to have enough or did I eat too much? So, for example, being at a restaurant and I don't know what this, it's kind of funny to me, but the fancier the restaurant, the smaller the portion sizes. You ever notice that? Go figure. And the more expensive it is, too. And the more expensive. <laughs> and so and so I, I can't tell you how many times I'd be at a, like a nice restaurant and, you know, get my food and look at it and just immediately that's not that's not going to be enough and start thinking what's in the cupboard like what am I going to have to eat when I get home because I'm going to do the good food thing here in front of the people but then what am I going to have to raid in the in the fridge or in the cupboard when I get home because that's not enough for me and um, and so this fear of there not being enough or um, this guilt for eat, having eaten too much, or just not knowing, was it too much? Was it not enough? And here's what I find, Deb, and this is what's so fascinating, and I realized this, I wish that I knew this when I was in the depths of my struggle, just like you wish you knew things when you were in the depths of your struggle with motherhood, is that what shows up on our plates is a direct reflection of what we're wrestling with internally. Oh, I love that, what do you mean? So if I'm wrestling with, was it enough or did I eat too much or is this going to be enough or I don't think it's going to be enough, I'm most likely wrestling on a deeper spiritual level. I'm wrestling with feeling not enough or feeling too much. And that was absolutely, that that, um, describes how I was for many, many years. There were things that I felt like I was too, I was too intense. I was too loud. I was too big. I was too emotional. I was too sensitive. I was too serious. And then I wasn't this enough. I wasn't, you know, smart enough. I wasn't talented enough. I wasn't, you know, fill in the blank enough. There was, you know, there was just this lack. And so it's this constant internal issue of lack or of too muchness, but too much of the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And so this is just one example of yes, when yes. we're wrestling with that internally, it shows up on our plates. The, the, the problem is when we try to solve it on our plate. And so the solution, there is absolutely a pathway of getting free of those things. Today, I, I'm not weighed down by that stuff. I actually feel just like 
enough just as I am, which is amazing. And that's reflected on my plate today too. So I think that, you know, to kind of go back to your question, we can actually look and I, you know, many people will say it's so unfair, you know, with alcoholism, you just don't have to drink alcohol. Um, you know, or smoking, you don't have to smoke, but eating, you have to eat. I think it's a gift because I think that we have, you know, on average people eating, you know, roughly three, three times a day, we have this opportunity about three times a day to assess where we're at internally, how we're doing. We get this direct feedback and I think it's an incredible gift. I love that. I love the idea of seeing seeing how you're doing and how you're feeling by what your plate looks like. And it's a representation of it. I never looked at it that way, but it's really so true because if it's not enough, where, where else is it not? Where am I not enough? Where am I feeling? I'm not enough. And if it's too much, where am I feeling? I have to maybe just be too much just to prove that I'm worthy, lovable, deserving, whatever it is. Yeah. Or or where am I too much? Like, you know, one thing that I was told a lot growing up was that I was high maintenance. So, where am I too, or I, would, I talked too much, you know, so I was just too much for people. They couldn't handle me. And then, so I was constantly trying to reel myself in, stop being so bright, stop being so loud, stop being so big, stop being, having such a, having to talk all the time, you know? And so we kind of, this is another way that we stop trusting ourselves because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm too much of what I'm not supposed to be. I'm not enough of what I am supposed to be, or I'm just not the right kind. Something about me must be wrong. I can't trust myself. And then we go back to the betrayal. Yeah. yeah. I love that. So trusting yourself with food, run us through a day of what trusting yourself with food would look like. Let's say you're on your own. Let's say you're out with friends. Give us like what it would look like if you trust, you trust yourself around food now. Yeah. I mean, kind of, kind of what I shared. I, you know, like for me, I mean, I have over the years calibrated to a way of eating that just works works for my body. So it's not based off of anyone else's diet plan. Although I could, you know, I could say, oh, well, it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of that, but it didn't come from the outside in. It came from the inside out. So and I right there, it's trusting there are, you know, so many different varieties out there. There's, you know, paleo and keto and vegan and vegetarian, like all these things. And I trust what my body needs and what, what I need. So I can just take a little of this and a little of that. Totally. So for everyone, that's going to be different for me, you know, cause I tried to do the intermittent fasting thing for a while because that was what, you know, that's the big thing. And for me personally, it makes me feel nauseous, you know, mm-hmm. to not eat and to go move on with my day or to work out and to like it. I'm like, no, to start off my day with coffee is horrendous for me. For some people, it's the holy grail. Fantastic. So, you know, it's beautiful. When I work with women, we don't even focus on food mm-hmm. and women will find what is freedom for them. And, and that, and I love that, you know, because for some people it's, uh, you know, they've got too much energy around sugar and it just feels really good to not have it in their lives. For other people, it's like, I really, now I used to binge on chocolate and not be able to stop once I started, but now I can enjoy it every once in a while. And that feels really great for me personally, you know, again, it's, it's waking up and just, you know, and, and just, and sensing, what do I, what do I feel? What do I feel like having? And obviously having the things in the house that I know already work for me, it's very easy for me to prepare, but it just, and then once I eat, 
feeling satiated, you know, eating for me what is enough and then feeling satiated and just really not thinking about food again until I notice a tummy growl. And, and that- I imagine, yeah, I imagine there are so many listeners and viewers who are like, oh, that sounds so freeing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I was the kind of person who I'd be in the middle of eating breakfast already planning for lunch. I'd be in the middle of a conversation with someone starting to fantasize about going to get peanut butter at the store. Like I couldn't be present because I was constantly thinking about food and then I would eat and then it was like, oh gosh, you know, was that too much? You know, what am I, what should I have now that I, that I ate that? And, and then planning the rest of my day based off trying to recalibrate because I ate that or, you know, it, it was just, there was a level of insanity. I always say, and people who struggle with their relationship with food in this way know what I'm talking about. It's like having a second job. Debbie, it really is where you, there's just, it's like that, you know, like that ticker tape that you see, like, you know, when you're kind of watching, like it's, it's like, it's like, there's this, this constant, constant thing that's going on where you're interacting and you're smiling and you're kind of looking friendly and you're looking like you're present and there's a whole world going on inside. And what are they thinking about me? And was that stupid that I just said that? And what should I eat later? And what should I have now? And do I look fat? And I feel so uncomfortable in my clothes. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's constant. And so to actually be able to say, I don't think like that anymore. Like I just, I'm just present with you. I'm in my day. I'm just doing the thing. And then at one point I'll feel hungry and I'll look at my watch or clock and I'll be like, oh, yeah, it is about four and a half, five hours later. Because for me, that's I eat enough to satiate me for about four and a half to five hours. I'm like, all right, body, let's. What, what are we gonna do? You know, and then it's to the next thing. And it just is. It it it's so. There's a level of ease about it, and it has nothing to do with the food. You know, it it sounds like you've exchanged uh, the anxiety of food and all of that internal chatter for ease and trust and freedom. Yes. Beautiful. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? Oh my gosh. First of all, I want you to know that freedom is possible for you. You know, I spent so many years just thinking, I just want to get control over the food. I just want to be able to control my portions and have better discipline and, you know, not give into the cravings. And that was as far as I could think. I couldn't even, I couldn't even imagine if I heard someone like me talking, I'd say, what are you, that's not me. You don't get it. You're not in my life. You don't have my family. You don't have my situation going on right now. And, and so the first thing that I want to say is that control again i know we talked about it earlier but control if we're if we're trying to plug into a paradigm of control it'll get us about 80 percent of the way there we'll think that we're actually making some progress oh good i'm staying away from this food group and i'm doing this over here and i'm feeling really good and i'm so happy and i've lost this amount of weight whatever the problem is that control will actually after that 80 percent, it'll actually block you from truly getting free because the paradigm of control is completely separate from the trajectory of freedom. So you actually have to come, you have to learn a different way of being. So when I say that freedom is possible for you, freedom where you only eat when you're hungry, where you stop eating when you're full, where you feel intuitively guided by what to eat, where you can go into a social situation or a restaurant and, and be present with the people and not be stressing out about what you're going to eat. Like this kind of freedom is 
absolutely possible for you. And just to go back to your favorite word, Deb, it starts with a willingness, Mm -hmm. a willingness to not know, a willingness to set aside everything you think you know about what you need, about how it is, about what you got, you know, just set it all aside and open yourself to consider Am I open to an entirely different approach? Because everything that I've been doing has got me to where I am. If I want a new experience, am I open to setting aside what I think I know, becoming willing, and considering you know, learning a new approach? So beautiful and so true. And I know there are so many people who are like, oh, I would love that. Well, it's possible. How do, where do people go to learn more about you and the amazing work you do? Oh gosh, thanks, Deb. Uh, you know, so I want to share a couple of resources. So, um, depending on when you're listening to this right now, um, I actually have a, a five-day video training called the End Your Food Obsession Five-Day Video Training that is happening July 20, uh, 26th through the thirty-first, twenty twenty-one. Um, July 26th to the 31st, 2021. So if you are hearing about this before that or during that, um, then I highly, highly encourage you to come. So I'm gonna be sharing the five keys to having freedom from food and really feeling comfortable in your skin. We have had hundreds of people take this training and get incredible results. And what I've decided to do for your community, Debbie, really, really special. So this is, um, it's a free five-day training and you're absolutely welcome to join. But what I've decided to do for just your community, just right now, is to actually um, gift you the VIP upgrade for free. So with the VIP upgrade, what you're gonna be able to get on top of this incredible training is um, you're gonna be able to get, at the end of each training that we live stream into Facebook, you're gonna get um, an insider discussion and, um, and debrief and Q&A session um, you know, like on Zoom in a private setting. So you're gonna get way more access to me, all the support that you need to really get the distinctions that you need. I've put together a whole booklet, the End Your Food Obsession Companion Guide that you just get, and you also get lifetime access to the entire training. So that is my gift to this community. Right. And in order to um, in order to take part of that, you can just head to freedomembody.com forward slash VIP freedomandbody.com forward slash VIP and, um, and come and play. It would be absolutely amazing. I would love to support you in this process. So that is my invitation for those of you who are getting this in this particular time frame. And for everyone, um, another resource is to say for those who just didn't yeah. make it for that, give us more. Yeah. So um, if you head to my website, freefromfoodaddiction.com, I've got a quiz on there. The, the uh, food addiction self-assessment, um, the freedom from food addiction self-assessment. This is a great place for everyone to just start to really help you start to get clarity on where you're on track, you know, and where you might be stuck or holding back. And it's going to give you based off of what you answer, it's going to give you some recommendations for your next steps. And so you know, I, I recommend that everybody take that assessment because, you know, this whole journey starts with clarity. It starts with willingness and an openness, and then it starts with getting clarity 
and really understanding you know, what's getting in the way for you and where your opportunities are that are going to serve as the turning points on your path of freedom. And so you can do that at freefromfoodaddiction.com and just take that quiz. And that's another great, great way to get on the path. Oh, that's so beautiful. So everybody, if you are betraying yourself by how you're uh, managing your relationship with food, uh, or if you're just struggling with a betrayal and using food to help in some way, uh, Debbie can absolutely help you. I want to thank you so much for your insight and your wisdom and just who you are. You're just so brilliant with this topic and you've lived it, you know it, and you have a wealth of information to share. So thank you. Oh, Debbie, it is such an honor to be here. And I just want to thank everyone for, for listening and for being with us here because this is, I, I just, I feel you and, and uh, yeah, I, I'm so committed to your freedom. Thank you. I love how Debbie shared how to know when we're on track and how it shows up with our food and when we're off track and how that shows up too. Stay in touch with Debbie by going to freedomembodied.com forward slash VIP to get the VIP upgrade to her end your food obsession five day video training. And if you missed that, head to freedomfromfoodaddiction.com where you can take the free from food addiction assessment. Here's my biggest takeaway. What shows up on your plate is a direct reflection of what's going on internally. Worried there's too little on your plate? What could that mean about some other part of your life? Too much on your plate? What could that mean too? A great assessment tool to see what we may not have noticed and with a willingness to look, mine and Debbie's favorite words, we can get to the bottom of it and go from anxiety around food and inner chatter to ease, trust, and freedom. If you haven't already, be sure to take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, which you can find at the pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And like the show, subscribe, rate, and review, and tell all your friends about it. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.